Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. The 21st verse of John, the fourth chapter. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The hour is coming. And now is. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. If everything is changing, we hear the call, there is change in the air. If we really believe that God has given us a word, I do a new thing. Then we also must believe that God is calling us, the church, into a new dimension of worship. I believe that with every fiber of my being. That it is time for us to experience what John the Revelator experienced and records for us in Revelations, the fourth chapter. It is time for us to experience the worship in the throne room of heaven. And to believe that we can have that purity, that depth of worship here on earth. Of course, a lot of things have to be consigned to the old. I was saying to Shola as we drove in here that part of the challenge is that we have been schooled in everything. Including how we worship God. 
And God will have to break that mold. And I pray that he will break that mold. So that we can follow the Spirit on this journey. So that we can express ourselves as the Spirit leads us to express ourselves. So that our intimacy with God can be real. Not choreographed. Not rehearsed. So that they can, there can truly be liberty in our worship. A freedom to worship God. So that our worship extends beyond a service or a gathering in church. And we understand that our lives worship God in everything that we do. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Of course, they're foundational things. We can't worship the one that we don't know. And so the more we know Him, the more we understand, the more the prayers that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians, the first chapter, verses 17 to 20, especially verses 17, 18, and 19. The more we understand those things, then we don't have to choreograph our worship. You see, because really, if you love someone, you can't hide that, that truth. When you see couples who are in love, they can't hide it. You know, love is like smoke. It shows itself. They can't help it. The way they'll reach out and touch each other, the way they'll smile to each other, the way they'll finish each other's sentences, the way their eyes will follow each other around, the way they can speak to each other and have a conversation and you, will, you could sit there and not understand a thing of what they're saying. You can't hide it. I'm praying that that will be new for us. A liberty in worship. That God will deliver us from the constraints and the straitjacket of religious worship. And thankfully, we haven't got into the challenge of commercialized worship. But it will come from the heart. It will be in spirit and in truth. You'll be two lovers. Isn't that what our foundation text is about? Expressing our love for him. So come with me to that scene in heaven. In Revelations, the fourth chapter. Permit me to read the whole chapter. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately, I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. 
And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures were each having six wings and full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will, by your will they existed and were created. Amen. Now, it's not a day for a long sermon, uh, but let me just point out a few things that I hope will not just help us tonight as we worship God, but will take us on a journey. John the Revelator tells us he was in the spirit and he was taken um, into the throne room of God. He starts by saying, and behold, a throne and one sat on the throne. The centerpiece of this vision, the thing that this vision was about, was that throne. It caught his attention. He was, it was riveting. He couldn't take his eyes off this throne. It was the all-important part of this vision, the throne that he saw in heaven. You know, as Christians, we believe there is a throne in heaven. We believe that it's not an empty throne, that it's a throne that is occupied by God. And it's interesting that this revelation does not focus on the person on the throne in terms of trying to describe him, but we are caught up by the glory that is around the throne in heaven. The New Age people will say there is a throne, but you and I are the ones who sit on the throne. The atheists will say there is no throne. Others might say there is some sort of throne, but it's not Jehovah who sits on that throne. But you and I know that there is a throne in heaven. The place where the, the God who rules in the affairs of men sits is the centerpiece of the vision. And for us, it's the focus of our, of, of our lives, that throne that is in heaven. It's the symbol of power, of authority, of sovereignty, of glory. The throne says the occupant can do whatever he wants. And that's the story all through the Bible, that there is a God who sits in heaven and rules in the affairs of men. That nothing can happen except the one who sits on the throne commands it to happen. And there are many things about this throne I would have loved to discuss, but I want us to spend some time worshipping. I would have loved to talk about the symbolism 
of the rainbow. It wasn't just there to make the throne look colorful. It was there to send a message to us that the one who sits on the throne is a covenant-keeping God. For the rainbow is the symbol of the covenant that the one who sits on the throne will do what he says he will do. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said it? And will he not do it? That's the one we worship. And what about those awesome beasts? And the, the word beast is not a derogatory term. It's actually something that is used to describe something that can't be described. That are flying around the throne with no rest. An encouragement to you and I that our worship never ceases if we truly have understood that relationship. We worship him in church, but we worship him with every other thing that we do. Like the, like the cherubim that are flying around the throne, we don't rest in our worship. And when we understand that, our lives, our lives become a ceaseless flow of worship. Ceaseless flow of worship. We don't switch off the worship of God. And then the eyes symbolize to us that worship must, of course, be intelligent. It's not just a ritual. No, 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 no. Like the Bible says in Romans 12 verse 1, it's our reasonable service. By the time we look at the mercies of God, we conclude, any sensible, rational, intelligent man will conclude that the God who kept me, protected me, provided for me, that this God who sits in heaven and rules in the affairs of men, this sensible, rational, intelligent thing is to worship God. That's why the fool says there's no God. It's a foolish thing to say there's no God. And so the eyes symbolize that. Worshiping God in an intelligent way with understanding that we get as we read about him and get revelation from his spirit about him. So tonight, why don't we have a similar experience like John the Revelator had before that throne and pour out ourselves in worship. Pour out yourself in worship. Just pour out yourself. Let the Holy Spirit take you on a journey and pour out yourself. Not because we're asking for anything, but just because like those awesome creatures of worship. A commentator says that they keep crying holy, holy, holy 24-7 from eternity past into eternity future because as they fly around the throne every time God moves they see a new dimension of God and they haven't finished seeing God from eternity past and they won't to eternity future. Let's destroy the God that is the figment of our imagination. And let's start to worship the God of this Bible. And where our minds fail us, let's ask for the help of the Spirit of God to take us deeper. 
Take us higher. Take us into new territory. Hallelujah. Why don't you let him take you where you've never been before? The start of something new in your life. And if, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't know, ask him. That's why he's there, the guide. Thank you, Lord. Come before the throne. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. That separates. We are. 
Is where. Is where.